Hello and welcome to Inverumble, the podcast of Inverui Academy. My name is Mr. Simpson. And I'm Miss Saran. And we are both English teachers at Inverudi Academy. If you've listened to the last two episodes, apologies if you know that already. Um, but for any new listeners, then welcome. We love to have you here. Um, this is our second episode and one that I'm actually really excited for. It's been really good editing all this together. Um, and yeah, let's talk about this term, maybe, shall we? So this term, the summer term, has been very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, lots, of, lots of things happened, lots of events were run in the school. Um, we were very busy celebrating all the successes as well, but it's also something that we as teachers really like. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best part, isn't it? Yes. Most rewarding part. We've also been on a few trips. Um, myself, I've been out in Belgium for the week, so catching up on everything has been <laughs> an adjustment, shall we say. But going into this episode, um, yeah, as I said, I'm really excited about this one. It's been really good to kind of work on what we have started from the first two episodes um and kind of change little bits here and there and also grow a little bit because obviously we're still learning and things are still coming together but I feel like going forward we've got a much better idea I don't know how you feel about it yes so we said this from the beginning that as we're all starting on this journey of creating a podcast with a lot a lot of pupils involved um that that will be a learning curve for us and um, the longer we do this with pupils, we noticed a change. We noticed a lot of growth in pupils as well, mm-hmm. an understanding of what is important, what are the different roles in podcasts. And especially this episode is quite exciting because it has been produced by juniors because obviously our seniors were out and busy with the exams. And um, the juniors took on a lot of roles in producing uh, in the background maybe of the podcast yeah, absolutely we've even got a brand new jingle we've had juniors um writing the scripts and then other juniors presenting sections of the podcast too which you will go on to hear later but it's been really lovely working with them because actually it's given us more time to focus on the juniors um within the school body with the seniors being away on study leave and also just maybe plucking people from the corridors when they're least expecting it and suddenly they're on this podcast episode so thank you to all of you who are just along for the ride it has really been a joy working with different pupils and really utilising their strength. Absolutely, yes. yeah. So, What's in oh, this episode, well, Mr. That's Simpson. where I was going to go. So, <laughs> a very exciting episode. Um, we are actually going to focus a little bit more on school news this episode rather than um, your kind of latest news across the world because actually, as we said, we've been really busy this term. So we have some seniors in to talk about their experience of the battlefields. They are joined by Colonel Crab um, and myself for a little section. We also have Lewis and Lenny who are talking about artificial intelligence and how that's impacting learning in schools. And we also have Miss Saran, who I'm with just now. Absolutely. The lovely Miss Saran. And Miss Gray, our lovely librarian, um, who are going to talk about reading skills as well. Yes. And then we finish off our episode with some book recommendation from pupils across the year groups and also staff. So stay tuned for that, please. Absolutely. And if any pupils are listening to this just now and have read the pupil bulletin, you will know that there is a summer reading challenge on. And if you can read or listen to up to eight books, then you might be in for a chance of winning a prize. So amazing prizes, I might like Amazing that. prizes. Oh. Yeah. But um, absolutely, we'll start you off with your reading list for summer. So without further ado, play the jingle. Hello, I'm Miss Crab. 
Um, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the trip to the battlefields that we've just been on. Um, it was quite an early start for us on the Monday morning. We all had to be at school for half past six. Um, but as the week went on, we soon realised that was a long lie. Um, before we left, we had the call to arms. So all of our pals lined up in front of the bus and they were led onto the bus by our tour guide, Jim. Um, he told the story about how before boys would leave to go off to the Western Front, they would often be in groups similar to what we were, groups of friends, people they knew, and they'd be excited about what lay ahead because they didn't really know anything about the fighting in the war. So we felt similar feelings as we didn't really know what the trip was going to be like. Um, me and the other teachers had our own military roles, so I was Colonel Crab for the week. Um, Mrs Cookson was Sergeant Major Cookson. We had Mr. Anderson as Captain Anderson, and then we had Lieutenant Simpson, Mr. Simpson from English. Okay, it was um, it was quite a fun trip. The journey felt long at points, but it wasn't too bad. We got on the bus, we heard stories of the war, we watched some films, we watched Shrek, which was very educational. That was my choice. Um, and our first leg of the journey was from here down to the port in Newcastle. Um, when we got to Newcastle, we went on an overnight ferry. This was my first time on an overnight ferry, which it felt quite long, but it was fun. When we were on board, we got some food. There were some cafes. There was a cinema, an arcade. And Talking of food, Miss Crab, were oh. you late for breakfast at all? Um, me and Mrs. Cookson slept in for breakfast. It's a touchy subject that no one let me forget about all week. Um, but yeah, the, the ferry was good. It was fun. And then we arrived in Amsterdam. So a slightly different journey to what the soldiers would have taken to the Western Front. I don't think they stopped by Amsterdam on the way. Um, but from Amsterdam, we then made the final four-hour drive to Ypres. And Ypres is where our hostel was for the week. Um, we got to the hostel, got ourselves settled into our rooms. It was very hot. A lot of people were quite hot and bothered. But once we got settled in and had something to eat, everyone got into the swing of things a little bit. Um, on our first night, we went into Ypres, the, the city, to have a bit of an exploring time. Um, we got to see the beautiful church that stands in the centre of Ypres, see some of the sites. We visited whatever shops were open and pupils got a bit of free time just to explore themselves. I think that some of the pals that went on the trip, all the pupils, I didn't mention this actually, did I? The pupils that went on the trip, they all became known as the second Inverurie Pals. So they got their own Pals Battalion Regiment name and they were soldiers for the week. They were our pals. We then had a long journey home at the end of the week, just to fast forward a little bit. We did a different journey home where we went from Calais to Dover. So it was a shorter ferry. And then we had the long drive up from um, Dover on the Saturday before we arrived back at midnight. Um, I think other pals might also tell you about the, the rave we had on the bus, which was good fun. I was leading the way at the front with the tunes blaring. Um, but no, it was good fun. And I think that everyone who went on the trip, I've not heard one person say a negative review about it. It's been really, really nice to see how people maybe went away thinking they were just going to have a laugh with their pals, but came home and felt just a little bit different to what they left. It's a trip that, unless you go on it, it's very hard to explain to someone what it can mean to you when you get home. Um, I think it changes your perspective on a lot of things in life. We're hoping to, as the year goes on, get some of our pals who went on the trip to participate in remembrance activities in schools. So that's something that will come up in November as we get closer to Armistice Day. 
perhaps sharing their stories from the trip um speaking about stories of some of the gravestones that we visited and being involved in assemblies and so on so yeah i am really looking forward to seeing what else we're going to achieve now that we're home um I've been loving hearing what everyone's been thinking about the trip. It's been really lovely as a teacher to just hear how much it's been appreciated. And we're already planning for next year. Um, so our current S3 and S4 history pupils are going to have the chance to go on the trip next year. Um, this will be at the end of June next year, the 30th of June to the 5th of July, I believe. Uh, letters have gone out for that this week and we're getting interest just now before we allocate places after summer. It's quite a popular trip to go on. Last year we had 84 people wanting to come and we could only take 40. So it might be the same again this year. But um, nevertheless, I'm very looking forward to going next year um, and taking a whole new group of pals. It'll be our third Inverurie Pals Battalion next year. And hopefully we will have just as good an experience. So it's time for me to hand you over to some of the pals now who went on the trip. So for one last time this year, it's Colonel Crab over and out. Oh, hello, my name's Esme. I'm in S6 and I studied higher history last year in S5. Um, and I went on the battlefield trip. Um, so basically in day one, we went to the trenches and got some really <laughs> cute pictures um, of us in our wellies. Um, and it just, it didn't really feel real, to be honest. It felt like a movie set. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that people died there. Um, and the museum was something as well. <laughs> um, we held shells to see how big they were and the size of the bombshells that they dropped. And we walked in a tunnel, a Monday tunnel, <laughs> which... We went the wrong way, and we were walking for about five minutes in the dark, in the mud. <laughs> we also visited the Pool of Peace, um, which was a, just a giant crater um, that was filled with water naturally. Um, because the Belgians didn't want to like cover it up, they wanted nature to take hold of it. Um, and they... No one's been to the bottom of it which was kind of weird to know, considering that we're now, like, what? We're so advanced, but we still can't get to the bottom of a pool. Um, and yeah, it was really, it was kind of scary to see, like, how many, like, bombshells there actually were. Um, yeah. We also went to a football monument for the Christmas truce. Um, we went to two of those. Um, the second one, some of the boys in our year stood with their Scotland kits on and we played the bagpipes and a song. Um, and it was it was quite moving, seeing as they would have probably been in the war um, at their age. Um, and we went to a Catholic church where in the basement, William the Conqueror's mother grave is where her body's not there it was also where in the first world war hitler was wounded um and he was patched up there um with winston churchill only being like a field away from him which was kind of weird um it just the church was actually destroyed um during the first world war and it just kind of showed 
how much people wanted like how much effort people wanted to put into rebuilding it um and the church originally had 63 bells and it has 61 as of today which each country that um fought in the war or had a part in the war they donated a bell and we got to hear it but we were down in the basement um and the catholic church they have these candles and when you see one lit you're supposed to sit and reflect and look back on what's happened um the person who founded the church and well not founded it wanted it re- rebuilt and the 680 bells he died before it was completely remade as it's still not remade today but our tour guide said he was a lovely man we also went to black horse corner which was basically a monument for those in the black watch which is um a lot of the scottish divisions basically put together um to create like just a bigger division of soldiers um and to ewan who's going to speak later <laughs> he put down his cross there as one of his relatives was killed in the black watch that was everything we did in day one and I'm now going to hand over to Amy who is going to tell you what we did in day two of Belgium. Hi, I'm Amy. Um, I'm S6 and I did higher history last year in S5. Um, I'm going to speak a bit about what we did um, on day two of the Batfields trip in Belgium. So on the second day um, we were in Belgium and we crossed the borders to France. Um, we went to Somme and there we got to visit lots of battlefields. Um, the first one we went to was the Battle of Somme and there um, we walked the length of the journey um, of what the divisions would have walked. And when we were walking uh, the length of the journey, our tour guide Jim, he um, was splitting us up and at first we were like a bit confused as to what was happening and then we realised as more people went to the back um, behind our teacher, it represented the people that had died along the walk of the, the length of the journey. Um, as we kept walking, we then went to um, our first uh, like graveyard, and it was pretty surreal actually. And um, like seeing it like there, and it was weird because there was a lot of local graves there. Um, ones from Mathlick, which really isn't far from us, so it was like quite a shock, and it kind of made it feel more real. And then we also went to the Missing Somme Monument. That was where um, a lot of names were of people that were never recovered. Um, And I think we were all shocked at just the amount of names that were actually there. Um, It was crazy. There were so many people. And then we went to Vimy Ridge, which was a Canadian monument. And this looked down on the fallen soldiers. Um, After this, um, we went back to Belgium and on the way back, I was blasting my tunes on the bus um, through my iPad <laughs> and I'm going to hand over to Ewan who is going to talk about day three. Hi, I'm Ewan and I'm going to talk you through day three. So we started off the day by going to Flanders Fields where we went to a graveyard and seen the grave of a 15 year old boy. This was really impactful as a 16 year old seeing someone you know younger than you being killed in the war. So our second visit of the day was to a graveyard where we knelt down and laid a poppy um, at graves. I think there was 83% of the graves had um, 
well, we're nameless, and that makes it the least visited cemetery in uh, in Belgium. So we did a 4K march um, while playing war songs in a speaker, which I held. Um, we started off by hating the songs, but uh, we grew to love them. We went to Tynecourt, a Commonwealth cemetery, which we thought was the biggest we were going to visit that day. Um, there's 12,000 buried, which 8,300 of were unnamed. There's 35,000 unretrieved soldiers' names on the walls, um, which we tried to find the, the Gordon Highlanders and even people with their own last name. It was overwhelming seeing the impact of the war and the, uh, the amount of casualties that happened. We then went to Langemark, where there was a German cemetery with 44,000 burials. Um, it was very different to the, uh, the Commonwealth graves. There was a dark, eerie kind of feel about it. Um, there was multiple bodies to one grave. Um, the most there was was 24 per grave. It was weird knowing that every step you took, you were stepping on uh, bodies of a lost soldier. Then I went into Ypres and uh, rented out scooters. Uh, Mr. Simpson and Miss Crab tried the scooters. There's, uh, there's video footage of it. Hi, I'm Erin. I'm an Essex pupil and I studied higher history in S5. Uh, we went to the Meningate ceremony, which happens every single night in Ypres at eight o'clock. Um, we were very fortunate in Rue Academy. We got to take part in the ceremony and we got to lay a wreath. There was a piper there and it really made us think of home. And we also got a little moment of reflection too. We also had our own private ceremony, which was really nice because we got to all reflect together before we went home. Our tour guide Jim read out a lovely poem which made us all very emotional and it was a lovely end to the second battalion of the Inverurie Pals. When we visited through the different graveyards we had the opportunity to learn about the lives of select soldiers who were buried there. For me I found it fascinating how every gravestone itself told a story, how the soldiers lives were impacted by the Great War and how this transcended back home. Of course death does not just affect those who are no longer with us but the families and friends that they leave behind. Our tour guide Jim located some of the learners' relatives and we were given the chance to visit their place of rest and lay a cross as a sign of respect. I know firsthand that Kean, Reese, and Ewan really appreciated this opportunity and were probably the first in their families to do so. We also visited the grave of John Innes Lumsden, who we believe would have been a pupil at Inverudi Academy in the 1900s. This was a lovely and poignant moment where the current pupils and teachers at Inverudi could lay their crosses at his grave and remember him. It goes without saying that we are so thankful for what the soldiers sacrificed and we left Belgium seeing the world and its challenges in a brand new light. Um, on the way back we had quite the experience on the bus. Um, with Amy being our resident DJ, yeah. <laughs> um, we collectively made uh, a little playlist and cued songs. Yeah, we had the teachers like, and um, we asked them about their favorite songs also. So everyone got like a bit of a say mm. in the songs that we were playing. And that made for some pretty interesting photos on Amy's iPad of Mr. Yeah. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> back of the bus was absolutely bouncing. <laughs> I think the parents were a little bit confused about when we were coming home. <laughs> and they saw all our hands up and jumping up and down and like clicking. Well. <laughs> 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 Running up and down. <laughs> Thanks, goodbye. <laughs> how are you today? Well, I'm good, Lenny. How are you? Oh, just fine, just fine. Um, do you remember what we were talking about for this podcast? 
Um, I think we're talking about AI, and I'll take the lead on talking about it first. Um, AI, short for um, artificial intelligence, is a technology that enables machines to perform tasks that usually require human intelligence. The science behind it involves machine learning, neural networks, and neural language processing. The history of AI dates back to the 1950s, but it wasn't until the 21st century that it became a mainstream technology. Today, AI is used in various industries, including healthcare, finance, and transportation to improve efficiency and accuracy. Although AI is just starting out, it has the potential to change many of our lives. From education to transportation, it is a marvel to see it grow and flourish into something greater than it used to be. Some advantages of AI are easy to spot. It can create information really easily. It will take on tasks that humans cannot or will not do. One great example is that AI can look for or find um, better advantages for medicine that people cannot see. There are disadvantages too, because AI is continually developing, it also is growing smarter. This could be damn dangerous and it is important that guidelines and laws are created to regulate AI on a very simple level. AI is used to cheat, which is obviously affecting school and uni work. But on a more complicated level, it can also be used to impersonate people, which can potentially cause problems. They might use personal data such as pictures, voice, personal information, and create fake persona for example, this can be used to buy things um, anonymously or access finance. And people can cause a lot of problems for the others. Obviously, this is a serious concern. And I know that there's some disadvantages in using AI in school, but there's also some advantages of using it. For instance, if someone needed to use it for research or just to quickly look up something for practice, then they could do that with the permission of the teacher and all that. But sometimes it just gets a little messy. AI technology like ChatGPT can be used to cheat on writing tasks. We think this is wrong and it's it's just wrong to cheat, but also it means that there are no there is no learning or developing any skills this will be difficult later when you need those skills not to mention that people who cheat could be lose their qualifications hello my name is miss saran and i'm an english teacher at inverie academy hello uh, my name is miss gray and i'm the school librarian at inverie academy and we're here today to talk to you about our Reading Schools program and tell you all about what we've done in the past and what we're working on at the moment. Um, yeah, so Miss Gray, um, we are working on the Reading School program. 
Um, what was your first impression when um, we talked about starting this? Um, I was very excited to be involved with it because reading for pleasure is so important um, for children and adults. So um, I was very excited to get our application in and make a start. That's really interesting because our school has a long history of um, where the departments work closely with the library and where we are trying to promote um, reading for pleasure especially. Um, but it was always rather kept to the English department and to certain English lessons. So in the past we would uh, be running the um, First Minister's Reading Challenge, which was part of the curriculum for us, for our school, uh, in S1 and S2. But um, when Reading Schools was published as this new program, um, we got really excited because obviously it's a, a little bit more a whole school program. And um, we finally had the chance to get all the subjects and all the different departments involved. Yes, I like that an element element of it has to be interdisciplinary. So um, we've recently been working with the science department to create um, science reading displays, which is exciting because I'm not sure anything like that has been done before. No, no, we haven't. Can you tell us a little bit about why um, reading for pleasure is so important? So there's lots of evidence on the importance of reading for pleasure. Um, but the thing that was most important for us was that um, the ability to make your own choice when it comes to reading um, is much more impactful than being forced to read something. Um, so reading for pleasure improves your um, vocabulary, comprehension, helps with personal development, um, enables you to develop empathy towards others. Um, it's really important for educational success and emotional development and um, from an educational point of view it really helps with closing the attainment gap. Yes, the attainment gap is something that we talk a lot about in education um, and one of, the, one of the tasks for schools is to close the attainment gap um, that's given to us by the Scottish Government um, and reading is a really, really powerful tool for this because um, a PISA study has shown that it can uh, close the attainment gap by 30%, uh, which just means that um, pupils that maybe come from a more deprived socioeconomic background uh, are given the same opportunities and it furthers equity in education. We also know that uh, pupils that read um, for fun, for enjoyment, um, achieve a much higher reading level. And that helps, obviously, with their um, results in school as well. Um, we also know that it's not necessarily a quantity of reading that's important, but the quality of reading, being really engaged. And obviously, if a an element of choice is included in this, and uh, pupils are given space and time to read, um, they will respond much better to the reading material. Um, the other part that we've been talking about is that reading is developing critical thinking as well. Um, it helps them understand um, how people work, how people make choices, how um, maybe certain parts of language can be influencing you and um, that's not just helping for learning or 
in the different subjects, uh, especially very heavily literacy-based subjects, it's also a skill to have for, for all your life. So we had all these um, big um, ideas behind and big reasoning behind um, starting this reading schools program. Um, but how did we make it reality? So we started off by holding assemblies to introduce the program to our S1 to S3 pupils. And um, once we'd introduced the concept behind the program and what we were hoping to achieve with it, um, we had an application form. So we opened applications for the S1 to S3 pupils to apply to become a literacy ambassador to help us with our goals as um, we wanted it to be really pupil led, as it's really important to embed it um, within the the pupils rather than the staff so it's sort of grassroots so we can grow it properly and um, we got lots of applications for the literacy ambassadors so we went through those and selected um, 15 pupils to take part in it and they were really excited to have been picked to work with us on the program and they received a badge which yes. uh, they have been displaying proudly on the uniform which is always nice yeah, for um, the reading school program, um, we had to fill in an application and also make an action plan. And this action plan, and this is a fantastic part of this program, this action plan um, gives, allows several choices. So it's closely linked to um, the school improvement plans and um, all the uh, guidelines behind how schools function and so we could slot this really nicely into um, what we want as school and what our school values are as well and we could tailor it to our specific location and our specific community but it was really nice to think about um, what secondary pupils especially would enjoy and what teenagers would enjoy um, so we have come up with a couple of um, activities that we have been undertaking throughout the year? So we have a thriving junior group club which meets once a week and um, we do lots of reading aloud as that's really impactful for improving vocabulary and um, comprehension. Um, we also have a staff book group which meets about once a term um, during uh, lunchtime in the library and pupils love to see like staff reading as well as that's one of our goals is to have staff role modeling. What kind of book are you looking at for your um, book, book the at last the moment? book we read was Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus that got mixed reviews from the group. Some people loved it, some people very much didn't love it. Um, next we're going to be reading Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson so we're all going to read that over the summer and then meet um, in the next term to discuss it. Um, our literacy ambassadors have been working on shelf shelters for the library, so those are little review plaques which go underneath the books, um, just to give a short review to try and engage people with the text and see if they'd like to read it. Um, the literacy ambassadors have been working on a book recommendation tree for the staff room, so um, lots of interesting young adult texts that perhaps staff would be interested in picking up to grow their knowledge on young adult fiction. Um, a big part of it has been the redesign of our non-fiction area, so we've moved everything around, got nice new labels and um, new texts with lots of forward-facing books to entice readers in. 
and we've also been working on book trailers. Do you want to talk a bit about book trailers? Yes, our literacy ambassadors um, have been making book trailers, not just for certain recommendation for certain books, but also they have been looking at specific genre because one of uh, the focus points, focal points this year for our uh, school accreditation or reading schools program was genre because we wanted to encourage what pupils and staff to read more wildly widely um, mainly because um, we felt maybe um, there's a little bit of a little bit of a misconception around reading and if someone says oh go and read a book people might think oh I have to read a novel and it's probably a really big book but really for us reading can be any type of genre and I think um, that opened a lot of really powerful uh, conversation with pupils and really got pupils reading that maybe not necessarily would choose reading um, as a first choice of activity. Do we want to talk a little bit about the non-fiction area because we found that was very successful this year? Um, yes, yeah, so as soon as we redesigned the area, the um, issue numbers of non-fiction books immediately increased so that's had a massive impact already just by redesigning it um, so there's lots more interest in non-fiction and I think non-fiction can be a bit more accessible um, especially to younger pupils um, than the idea of picking a fiction book that they have to trawl through 30 pages 300 pages um, whereas with non-fiction they can just sort of pick it up and learn some facts without needing to engage with the whole text. Yes and um we also looked very specifically into diversifying our uh, books. So we, we really like looked into what kind of books would be important for pupils and, and for, for their interest as well. Because I think as adults especially, we it's not always we don't always have the same interests and um our reading behaviour is also so different that um, just watching pupils picking up non-fiction books and even if they just leave through a couple of pages um, still um, provides them reading moments and moments of reading for pleasure and enjoyment um, which while we as adults might we might actually really want to read a book somewhere in the corner and dive into the world and forget about it I think um, there's sometimes maybe a little bit of judgment around what constitutes good reading and um, I would really be keen to get away from that. This is um, this is one of the reasons because we talked about the book trailers. Why book trailers? Uh, we use general book trailers as well, and um, we try to make these available uh, throughout the schools because we're quite lucky. We have screens across the schools, um, so the message is uh, always out there that pupils can come to the library and enjoy a book. Um, and we're also looking to create a space that is very inclusive in the library and um, there are quieter areas and there are more group areas um, because you know we have this new campus where there's lots of nooks where pupils can gather so um, for reading that can be quite helpful. So in all this where are we at at the moment? So we are very close to being ready to submit our core evidence we're hoping to do that by the end of this term we just have a few bits and pieces to tie up and then we will submit and hopefully receive our accreditation so we can make a start on our silver at the start of next term. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, we are also, um, we had 
a really big group of pupils involved on in this program because beyond the literacy ambassadors um there were people that brought their friends along or people that visited the library and just got stuck in um so we have quite quite a big group maybe 25 pupils who are um engaged in the library um several days a week even which is absolutely lovely to see i actually think this is part probably my favorite bit about this whole program is how um how the pupils took to it and just run with it and come up with ideas and are so excited about all this yeah it was fantastic to see how many extra pupils started coming along who hadn't applied to be a literacy ambassador but saw what was going on in the library and wanted to be involved and um, so now they come along even when they don't have a literacy ambassadors meeting they come to all of the other library clubs and they even come to the library on lunchtime when there is no club so they now have a non-club club and um, so yeah it's really made the library nice and busy and vibrant so um, that's really lovely to see the other bit as a teacher that i observed is that the pupils or the classes i had who um worked on parts of the program for example the interdisciplinary book project that emma mentioned earlier earlier on um that they get so involved in the library and they love to go into the library so much because it's such a happy place and a place where they feel they can i think there's an element of relaxation as well and, and being safe and everyone finds um maybe a text to read and everyone finds something to do um that for a lot of my pupils coming to the library became a bit of a treat and they would ask for this which is and it makes my teacher heart so happy <laughs> and my library home, so. <laughs> um we're hoping to start um to um, expand on this and um we have been starting uh, to collaborate with other schools and other libraries already um that was very exciting um one of the things we would like to try next year is maybe um, a collaboration between our junior book club with maybe a, a book club from other schools. So we can maybe have some online meetings, maybe reading the same text. So that's very exciting. Um, what else would we like to do? Um, we'll be continuing with our reading newsletter. That was um, one of my favorite parts of our core accreditation was making a reading newsletter that goes out to the parents to keep them up to date with what's going on in the school. So um, our first issue looked at our non-fiction revamp, what we did to celebrate World Autism Acceptance Week. Um, we'd also put out a survey as part of our um, accreditation on how we could help parents and carers engage more with reading for pleasure. So our newsletter um, looked at um, the issues they raised and we tried to answer them. Um, we highlighted our accessible materials. So we've got a dyslexia friendly section, we've got audiobooks and playaways, and um, how they can access Press Reader with their Young Scott card. And um, we had an author spotlight. And um, uh, we talked about what we do in our lunchtime clubs and our new suggestion box where pupils can. Um, just put in a little slip to suggest what books they'd like to see added to the library. Yeah, I think because of COVID and uh, so many things stopped um, during that time, it was we were very keen to get momentum going, and I think it felt 
quite a big task, but now that we're in the swing of it, um, I really, I really enjoyed this year where we had, we could um, bring so many ideas to life and really engage with so many pupils and so many members of staff as well. I am very pleased. And um, so I'm hoping that once we have our core accreditation, um, what's the word? On the right Yes. Um, maybe we can showcase our trophy. Definitely. Uh, because much like uh, the pupils like badges, we like a trophy. We, do. we definitely <laughs> like a trophy. Um, if anyone is interested to learn more about this, um, our website has a lot of information, school website. Yes, we now have a reading for pleasure section where you can access our reading newsletter. We're hoping to add to that as we go along when we um, achieve more of our aims and objectives. Do you want, as a last, the last word, uh, maybe um, mention the summer challenge, the reading challenge that is run by the libraries? Uh, yes, so if you think you can read eight library books or attend library events between now and 26th, I think. 26th of August, then you can sign up for the Summer Reading Challenge run by um, Live Life Aberdeenshire. So um, you just go on the library's website and you can sign up there and you collect a little reader's card either from the school library or the public library and um, just challenge yourself to read eight books or attend library events over the summer and you get entered into a prize draw to win some amazing prizes this year. So definitely give that a go. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Bye. One of the members of the Inveramble podcast, Struan, has created some book recommendations for you all. So presented by Kirsty, Bruno, Tyra, Xander and Harris in S3. Here are some book recommendations for you to get your teeth into this summer. The Narnia books are for most children's books, but they appeal to teenagers and adults too. One thing I like is the randomness of parts in the book of the books. For example, there are lamp posts in the middle of the forest, but ran- behind this randomness is always another little story. Here lies the story of the beginning of the world. Another example is that Aslan in the- is the Turkish word for lion, which is a hidden gem unknown to many. Again, there's always something to explore. It's really worth it to pick up a book and read it again because there is always something new to discover. The book packs in so much more than the movies. Spot the Difference by Juno Dawson. This is a great little book. It's a quick read, but it's funny and the characters are really well written. The main character is Avery who struggles with acne, but a new medication helps to clear her skin. This makes her suddenly popular and brings up many situations where Avery has to decide what is right and what is wrong and who she really is. Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. The main character Pip does the school project on a cold case. Her research and investigation leads to the discovery of many, many dark secrets. The best part of this novel is how the reader is led around and and is invited to solve the mysteries alongside the characters of the book. Pip is an awkward teen which makes her very relatable. Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Lessons in Chemistry was the staff book group choice this term and it has lots of great reviews. It is historically fiction and is set in a time when women did not belong at work. The story follows Elizabeth Zott who is 
a qualified chemist, but it's not taken seriously by our male colleagues. Elizabeth Zaw ends up on a cooking show and educates the American nation on how to cook using her knowledge of chemistry. Her show becomes a massive success, telling children across the country to set the table as mum is busy cooking. Lessons in Chemistry is being made into an Apple TV Plus series and is due to release later this year. So that brings us to the end of episode two. I hope that was as enjoyable for you guys as it was for us bringing this all together. Um, as I said, it's been really fun and also really lovely to hear some of the opinions and reflections of the learners who are involved in this podcast. So massive bravo to them. And of course, we're already in the process of preparing episode three, which will drop after the summer holidays. Mm-hmm. And all we can say now is thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful summer holiday.